Good evening, everyone. This is the pod boss TJ Bowser here. I have come to introduce you to another fine episode of Rants After Dark. Join your esteemed hosts, Brandon A. Lane and Fat Tony, as they travel to the filthy underbelly of New York City and witness the murderous rampage of the sweaty and violent Frank Zito in William Lustig's 1980s slasher classic, Maniac. your doors, but you can't lock the madman out of your mind. Maniac. Recording live from the Black Lodge, it's Rants After Dark, with your host, in a lane. Holy diver, you've been down too long in the midnight sea. All right, welcome again to another edition of Rants After Dark. I'm your host, Brandon A. Lane, and my co-host for this blood-splattered affair is none other than the Baron of Booze himself, Fat Tony. You mean this amazingly heartfelt, beautiful, romantic movie. Greek tragedy-esque. You jest, but uh, there there is some elements to this film you can actually make that argument for, and that's what we're here to talk about tonight, and that being a film that redefined exploitation in the early 80s. Fuck yeah. Bill Lustig's Maniac. So, just a friendly, a friendly reminder, you don't have to watch the movie with us. You get to watch the movie with Exactly. Us. So load up your VHS, DVD, Laserdisc, Blu-ray, or digital copy of Maniac. You're going to sync it up with the film with us at the basically the very first uh, glimpse. It's starting to fade in from black to one of those viewfinders you see out on like uh, you know the dock of a... Scenic overlooks and places like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, without further ado, let's get the ball rolling in three, two, one, play. Like, this movie is some rough shit. Like, I, this is the kind of movie, like, my parents would always talk about, like, you know, when they thought of horror movies and bad exploitation shit, this is what they meant. Most of the shit they complained about when I was a kid was, like, harmless fun, like the Friday the 13th. This movie, there, I guarantee you it's inspired a serial killer or two. Uh, yeah. Nor- I normally, I would be in defense of like you know, art does not create um... inspired. They were they were going to kill no matter what. This just happened to be the straw if, that broke the camel's if, back. If there's going to be movies that uh, d- that definitely lent a hand into someone murdering somebody, it's this and Henry Portrait of a Serial oh, Killer. Oh fuck yeah! So Maniac came out on March sixth. 1981 in America, but was released in 1980 in some other parts of the world. So technically, it's an eight, 1980s movie, but we live in America, so fuck that shit. This movie came out in 1981. 81, just like me. What do you think the budget was oh, for $400,000. Close. $350,000. Now, adjusted for inflation, that comes to $1,036,540.40. So... Low budget, no matter what yeah. d- decade it's, it's being made in. Uh, it grossed roughly $10 million, so this was a fucking huge hit comparative to its budget. 
adjusted for inflation, that comes to $29,614,411.44. And we have our first kill, throat slashed. Uh, by excellent special effects by the great wizard himself, Tom Savini. Yeah, exactly. Uh, who will pay us a little visit uh, later on in, in the movie. One of my favorite kills of his, I always was telling Brandon right before we started recording, I watched a documentary about him. Some of my wires got crossed whether that kill was in this or The Prowler, which he did uh, effects for The Prowler, too. Not a good movie. Good effects. I, the, the Prowler is okay. Um, directed by Joseph Zito, who also directed uh, arguably the best or second best Friday the 13th sequel in the, in the final chapter. Yeah. and um, Got to do that on the podcast eventually. Oh, fuck yeah. Uh, shout out uh, to uh, one of our fans. He he recently uh, sent me a message saying, hey, are you guys ever going to do final chapter on the podcast? And I'm like, yes, just give it time. There's only so many Friday the 13th in a year. Uh, so we got Joseph Zito here uh, choking the fuck out of this dude with a, is it a wire. Yeah, probably like some kind of, yeah, it's cutting him open real good. And it makes, like, Joe Zito, was he tall or big? Like, he, he's lifting the guy up and the feet were lifting, but I don't, it just maybe, well, I don't see him as a tall guy, just he, a fat, they needed no makeup on him. He was that <laughs> sweaty in real life all the time. But instead of a lust for women, he was constantly thinking about ham sandwiches. Well, as we all do. As we all do. I mean, you didn't get to be fat. Fat Tony's That's not a misnomer. <laughs> Joe Spinell. Uh, we love Joe Spinell. We'll actually talk a little bit about Joe Spinell as we continue on. But uh, what do you think IMDb has this movie? Oh, right God. Do the, they do out of the 10? Out of 10. Uh, four. 6.5 out of wow. 10. Wow. That's a lot harder than I thought this, it would be. This movie has been reappraised uh, over time. And, and uh, this was like the, the plight of like mother's groups during you know, oh, during its yeah. heyday. This is uh, the one of the few movies that, like, when people argued about it, probably had some kind of justification for uh, it. Yeah. Hey, speaking of, though, how's the shrine to your mother doing beside you? But did you remember to light your candles today? I, I did. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. J- Joe uh, Spinell uh, playing uh, the role of Joe Zito, uh, <laughs> which, which is all... Yeah. Full, full circle uh, back to Joseph Zito because uh, of the director Joseph Zito that we just mentioned who directed Friday the Thirteenth Final Chapter and um, Red Scorpion. Red Scorpion. Yeah, I was, yeah, I was trying to think of that um, among others. Um, and Joe Spinell is just an incredibly underutilized talent of his time, and this is the perfect type of movie for him to like be showcased in. Yeah, because. During this period, you did not have to be conventionally attractive to be in a movie, provided it was an action or a horror movie. So he hits all the all the notes. And the Nowadays, it'd be one of the guys from Supernatural or another that, like <laughs> I'd say, nowadays they've actually remade this. We'll get to that later, but. You know, I just want to shit on Supernatural. It sucks. Oh, thank you so much. I I genuinely hate Supernatural so much. And I'm surrounded in, here in the Black Lodge. It's nothing but Ghostbusters and Friday the 13th, a pair. But we'll, we'll only talk about the, the Ghostbusters stuff in context. I love paranormal shit. I love The Exorcist. And and um, Ghostbusters is sort of like, you know, the, the more accessible, kid-friendly, in, in, in some terms, yeah. version of The Exorcist. In my mind, anyways. But... Man, I hate Supernatural because it's so fucking dumbed down. And, and the CW, I'll WB even say this: shows. when it first started, I thought the first two episodes, I, I I had hope. I watched it. I'm like, okay, I'm done with this. And I think it was like eight or nine years later. Somebody was talking about. It. I'm like, that show's still on. And I think it went on for like 15 seasons. Yeah. 
Millie Vanilli won a fucking Grammy and Supernatural stayed on the air for 15 years. Um, hey, don't and, talk shit on Millie Vanilli. At least somebody involved in that had talent. Not the performers, you know, but not, the people Millie, that actually sang it. Millie nor Vanilli. Yeah. <laughs> the people that secretly recorded the song. My, my, my point, my point yeah. being is that there's no, you know... According, uh, we're accounting for taste. Yeah, I give him shit, but I did enjoy the My Bloody Valentine 3D remake. I oh. mean, it wasn't great, but it was fun. And the other, the other guy was in and the, the remake, and he was unnecessary. Of Friday, of Friday the 13th, and you know what I hate about him? He's what? so fucking tall, he makes Jason look small. Like that's a dumb idea. <laughs> That's wrestling logic, man. You got your your fucking behemoth has got a tower over. You know, it's uh, uh, uh fucking the, the dude from the Bible, uh, David and Goliath. David and Goliath. I almost said Jacob and Esau, <laughs> and like the, I don't even know who those people are. Uh, they're somewhere in there. <laughs> what do you think the uh, Rotten Tomato score of Maniac is? Well, now I'm gonna forty-two. Close, 40%. Okay. Well, I, I get. I mean, I really get that with man. All right, now that's critical. Audience. What do you think the audience score is? Man, I'm going to say it's about the same. 40. 58%. Almost fresh. And because this is exploitation, I'm not going to begrudge these people. No, this is a, no, yeah, this isn't like, oh, I like Nightmare on Elm Street. And, you know, well, you know, you'll love this movie where this dude rapes everyone <laughs> and fucking cuts off their fucking scalps and puts them on mannequin heads. This isn't for everybody. It's just for the best <laughs> of us. Um, our our good friends at Shudder rank this at a 3.9 out of 5. Uh, I mean, honestly, I thought that's kind of low for like a Shudder review. Cause, I mean, this but, is like notorious. But this is still the type of movie that is, it's, is not going to appeal. Look at that fucking just sexy, sexy beast <laughs> with his collar above his chin and his coat and his glasses. He's dressed, he dressed like fucking Andy Cap. But like his weird, the little mustache in this is what gets me. Like it, he had to have plucked it that way. You don't shave to get that. That, that is like a John Waters esque type you, thing. You beat me to it. That is a John Waters. He's this is the straight version of John Waters. <laughs> God, I'm glad he was gay. <laughs> um, what do you think Google users ranked? Oh come on, eighty, eighty five percent. They still surprise me. They always have my back. Yeah, uh, we don't have a, a rant army review. I I was hesitant to even no. field the uh, the arguments from people uh, one way or another because here we are in 2021 and in, in a post Me Too environment. This guy definitely needs Me Too. This this I'll is a it. this is uh, harsh harshly criticized at its time and probably even more so today. And again, they're not wrong. I mean, freedom, artistic freedom and expression, I'll go for it. Everything's game, but if you dislike it, I will not argue. Well, we're going to we're going to do a shot to artistic freedom, which is probably the, the funniest thing we could do right after this. <laughs> All right. Artistic freedom. We will also be pacing ourselves and I, might, I just listened to, uh, uh, as we're recording this, Brandon's Death Wish 3 list, uh, watch along came out a few days ago. Listen to it. And I'm sure they had a good buzz, kind of drunk. They were not bl waking blackout drunk as we were in Human Centipede 3. Rules have been placed. We're going to pace. I've got a little beer so we can still drink, but without hitting 100 proof vodka. <laughs> at every turn. You know, uh, real quickly, and this is going to sound real sexy, I miss the look of, like, 
late seventies, early eighty hooker hookers in movies with like those like workout body suits that don't really show a lot of skin, but they're body hugging. Say like Jamie Lee Curtis in Trading Places. Oh my god, yes. Like fuck yes. Yes, Jamie Lee Curtis. God, he looks like a cancer patient. <laughs> <laughs> you don't see many fat cancer patients, but something about like his eyes and face. He he's seen a lot of miles. You know what what what's sad is like when we'll talk about Joseph Zito as we continue on, but <sighs> he you know, he died, you know, probably before he had the opportunity to really become the the legend that he could have been beyond just, you know, sort of like the cult classic kind of realm. But he has a face that I could I could see him being put into like a, a Tom Savini movie and him oh, doing yeah. so much with, with him because it's very it's very gaunt but it's angular at the same time. Yeah, it's, it's and that's a weird combo for a big guy with like this bony like kinda like got that uh oh fuck, the standard deliver actor, um Edward James Olmos. Edward James almost scan. Oh yeah, he's kind of a pop pockmarked. <laughs> pockmarked and Man, she's flexible. Yes, she is. She'll be super flexible when he uh, <laughs> yeah. detaches her limbs from her body. Um, so, on Fat Tony's hit list in this movie, we have... Seven. We have seven kills. Eight, if you include Frank's death. This is such a weird fucking ending, and we'll talk about it when we get to it, but what but, the fuck? But you also have to take into account uh, the first two we saw murdered... That was in a dream sequence, but is that him dreaming about or remembering or remembering? So we I, don't we don't know. I'm gonna say remembering because we're about to get to a definite kill, and he's way too comfortable. Like this isn't the hesitancy of a first time killer. I, lo- I think it's it's uh, it's very admirable admirable of him to pay the hooker before he does. I mean, yeah, he has morals. He's not a he's a monster, but he's you know he's a capitalist. <laughs> Are we gonna do a titty tally? Because there's a good few here. I uh, we'll, we'll try and keep a mental mental check of them as we continue on. Uh, but I'll be honest with you, when I watched it the other night, I lost track <laughs> after a while. And um, I haven't seen this movie in probably ten or twelve years. Like it sticks with you. You don't. I've seen it multiple times. <clears throat> When, so, when was the first time you saw this movie? The first time I saw this movie was I was in middle school on one of the summers. I was home alone and my dad would leave me money to go up to his boss's video store and I killed the entire horror section. And this was a movie that did disturb me, but then I would also rewind for the nudity because I was a little pervert. And we had a really good pause in our VCR. Oh, you had a forehead VCR? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no scan lines, my friends. Those were the noise. days... That was as close as you could get to a, you know, a high quality uh, JPEG <laughs> yeah. of a of a of a titty shot back in the they day. They spoiled kids these days. So Joseph Zito here is uh, he experienced a little bit of uh, lover's anxiety. He is a uh, an overweight uh, older older gentleman, but as soon as the kink starts getting introduced. Uh, he's he's as hard as iron. Diamond in the ice storm. <laughs> he has a, a, what t- a fat Tony would refer to as a diamond Dumb studded stuff. fuck hammer. Exactly. Um, of, of champions. I do have to ask, do you know how old he was filming this movie? Because people just age differently, and I don't want to put a bullet in my brain if you say, like, 32. Uh, I don't I don't know, but um, I'm going to... Uh, he's... I'm going to silently Google him on, like, uh... And then we'll just do the math. 
I want to say he died like maybe maybe a decade after this. Um, so I'm going to say he's in his 40s. Oh, and then we have just. Oh, uh, we're choking. You know, nowadays with all these Gen Zs <laughs> and their kinks, they'd be like harder daddy. That's, you know, what. Yeah, and and then if he had killed her, it would have been their fault. I can't remember that what, what movie I was watching with the girls with, but like a killer started choking them. And of course, one of them, and I can't remember who, is like, hurt her daddy? And I'm just like, oh my God. It is a strange world we live in. Yes, it is. So while you're looking that up, uh, let's go from page to screen. So the original budget of this movie was $48,000 in cash, 6000 of which came from Joe Spinell. Uh, his, he got 10000 uh from when he worked on the movie Cruising, which we've talked about yes. quite a bit on the podcast, just in a you know, throwaway conjecture, which is a terrifying, terrifying movie. Yes, it's a straight up horror movie. Uh, he was 44 at the time of at the time of this, and he died in '89. So that's about that was about right. Yeah, a decade later. Okay. Um, twelve thousand of the budget came from uh, a gentleman by the name of Andrew W. Garoni. And the rest came, uh, which was $30,000, from William Lustig himself, the director of this film, from his uh, profits that he made in the adult film business. So can you can you believe that William Lustig directed <laughs> porn before he made a movie like this? Absolutely. Well, hell, even like we've said many times, it's been said a lot back in these days, this was a half step up from porn. It, a very, I don't know, not, maybe not even a half step. I mean, like, I mean, just barely ho- your foot hasn't gone over the, um, it's <laughs> yeah. not touching the step it's just it's almost on it uh but porn porn and horror were uh pretty much the best genre exactly <laughs> but they were held in the same you know public contempt with the exception of like the exorcist and like you know highbrow kind of affair i would like to apologize this particular victim did not show her breasts as i i thought there would be and now he's crying well, he has mommy issues, and I don't know if you... What a loser. And all the times I've choked a woman to death, I've I've often <laughs> cried about my mother, so... <laughs> um, so, uh, the three of these gentlemen put their money all together into a stock market account, and they basically tripled their money and got $135,000 as the production continued. Um, there was a British produ- producer by the name of Judd Hamilton who came up with the rest of the money, which was around $200,000, and they completed the movie as a part of the condition uh, to his then-wife, Caroline Monroe, who we'll talk about a little later on. Um, basically, of him putting up this money, she would be cast. And we're seeing uh, Joe Zito scalp first, a woman. Yeah, yeah. What a unique... Trait. This is why Tom Savini's just the shit. I mean, like, this is, yeah, it's a horrible movie and it's gross and dark and twisted, but man, now you know why Tom Savini. And he saw the real shit, so, and now we gotta make out. Now he's hard. <laughs> Cut to black because the movie would have gotten. It was, a, it was a hard time back in the day before Viagra. <laughs> Viagra has saved some people, some hookers' lives. Um, but uh, Caroline Moreau was cast as the heroine, and uh, she would add some more conditions to her character. Uh, but we'll talk about that as you know we continue on. I, I love that, like one of the aspects of Joe Spinell's character is these these mannequins yes. that he has in his house because 
It's just the the underlighting of them and stuff, as we'll see whenever it finally he gets in. But it, it is so unsettling. Like the whole set design of his whole place is just fucking great. I'm gonna crack open a beer for that. One of my with my bare hands. Oh earlier, my god! Brandon put on an oven mitt to remove his twist off cap. I'm just saying. Well, thank you for demoralizing <laughs> me in front of the but audience. You know what? But you're not wrong. Listen, I have sensitive palms. Okay. <laughs> I, can't, I can't even think of anything. I was trying to think of something to boost you up and hype you up and make you. It's all right. It's there's no there's no coming back from that. You got to go fight a bear right now. Well, I will. As soon as we're done, oh, looking at the Joe Spinell. Uh, Some of his best scenes in this movie, honestly, like talking to the mannequins and like like his whole interactions with them. Like it's really fucking good. I want to give the guy. Like so much credit because this is the type of role that you you really have to have a an excellent actor. Yeah, it could be really bad, Hammy. This could have come off as so hokey, and you believe this guy believes everything. Oh hell yeah, that he does, and he has a weird element to his character where well later on, which we'll talk about one of the conditions with Caroline Monroe coming on board of the production, but he. He's he's not a, a conventionally good-looking man or even probably... He's not a good-looking good man, man at all. ...in any sense of the word. But he is charismatic yeah. and, and does come across in parts as suave. I can get that. I am not a handsome man, and I have had sex on numerous occasions with a surprising number of women. But now i found my dream woman. I'd never want again. But I'm saying, if I can get laid, this dude could... Uh, back in the day, like he totally could. Well, and he he yeah. got it all all off the back of his. Uh, I mean, and he's, he's still paying women for sex, but he can woo the right woman yes. with uh, with a you know a, a wink and a stare. I guess, uh, Fat Tony, if you'd be so kind to to read us off the uh, synopsis for Ooh. Bill Lustig's Maniac, Frank Zito, a career performance by co-writer, co-executive producer Joe Spinell of Rocky and The Godfather fame is a deeply disturbed man haunted by the traumas of an unspeakable childhood abuse of, of unspeakable ch- Damn it, I was going to talk shit on Scott making fun of my reading and here I am fucking it up. <laughs> and when these horrific memories begin to scream inside his mind, Frank prowls the seedy streets of New York City to stalk and slaughter innocent young women. Now Frank has begun a relationship with a beautiful photographer, Caroline Mun- Monroe. Monroe, you say? Yes. Okay. Of the spy who loved me, yet his vile compulsions remain. These are the atrocities of a human monster. This is the story of a maniac. And we're we're seeing like case in point right now of what really what makes him a maniac. He has this. You say maniac, I say hopeless romantic. <laughs> hopeless romantic. He's he's nailing, nailing the he's scalp nailing the of a scalp. hooker. Onto a mannequin. A sex worker, I'm sorry. I say, yeah, we, we, no, no shaming here, ladies. No, no, it's work. <laughs> but he's he's immortalizing. This is his trophies. Yes. You know, this is the way he's able to to remind himself of, of his conquest, you know, forevermore. And it's just side note, he's got a fucking cool ass belt here. I mean that's that's a that's a that's a pimp belt. That's yo. a championship belt. <laughs> God his fucking face. <laughs> He's so greasy. Okay, so for, fairly recently, I, I, and admittedly, I'm not a huge Joe Rogan fan, but mm. Joe Rogan is an excellent interviewer. Yeah. So when he has the right person 
on his show, he can get things out of people that like other people wouldn't because he's an excellent listener. He's very he'll he will foster a conversation in directions that other people wouldn't. And um, Quentin Tarantino, who we all love, oh yeah, what was on an episode of uh, Joe Rogan's podcast? And listen, we're we're both huge fans of 1980s cinema, but he made and he being. Um, Tarantino? Tarantino made an excellent point that in the 1970s, you didn't have to have necessarily uh, likable characters in the sense that, like, you could have, like, unlikable characters and it'd be you choosing the lesser of two evils. And he talks about how much he loved Chevy Chase. And Chevy Chase was a dick in the beginning oh, of the movie yeah. and was a dick at the end of the movie. And he said... That's why he preferred him to Bill Murray. Now, like, I'm a Bill Murray apologist, you know, to, to here in eternity. But Bill Murray would have a character change throughout the movie. It's called a character arc. It, and generally, people want that out of a film. And the point I'm making with all this is that Joseph Zito has a character arc, even though he he, he, yeah. he, is, he is an unlikable character. So this is sort of like a melding of like of. Typical '70s cinema and and typical '80s cinema in a really unique way. I just I think the Joe Spinell character, or Joe Spinell playing the character of Joseph Zito, is sort of unique. And this is this is not something you could replicate. No. Now the only other kind of close analogy I can put of it is uh, George Romero's Martin. Yeah, yeah. Like that guy. Like he, you never know. Is he? Is he not a vampire? He, it's. Nowhere near on this level of just wanton brutality, but it's still pretty rough. But, like, that's the only other character, like, he's reprehensible, but there are moments that you, as no matter how depraved it is, you feel bad. You still don't like him, but you feel bad for him. I I think to humanize the monster in a movie like this doesn't necessarily make them, like... There, okay, we'll talk about let's talk about Dexter for a second. Yeah, when Dexter came out, there was this big uproar that like, oh, you're identifying with a murderer, and yes, you are, but they paint him in a way that like you can agree with the things he's doing, or at least empathize with him because he's, he's killing he, bad guys. He's killing bad guys. Joe Spinell, they build him up and humanize him, but he's still he's doing killing innocent women in horrific ways, horribly reprehensible things. But there is there is a a glimpse of humanity in him and to me that makes him so much more scary i think that's why i like a lot of stephen king's bad guys in books i don't know if you've read you don't read a lot but that's an insult i don't, I don't read I don't read, I don't read a lot these days well back i'm in, saying stephen king will still like have horrible villains that still humanize them like for instance in the under the dome the dude there's a like the big wig of the town's son has a brain tumor making him crazy and he strangles women and has them in a closet and yet he's so happy when he gets to find these kids as like a deputized person save their lives and like you know you still oh here oh yeah we're coming to the savini kill of actually tom savini but like there's no black and white in this world like Jeffrey or Ted Bundy, not yet Ted Bundy. He's a fuck him. He's a monster. I learned. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer was a horrific, evil nightmare monster with a lot of fucking problems and a lot you can actually sympathize about. But still, you know, 
a monster, and this just showcases that. And this is what if people don't like that about this movie, I get that and accept that. I won't try to argue. But that's hu- that's real life. I, mean, I think it's it's so much easier to just to make a villain that is one dimensional and their only purpose in the story is to cause chaos. But if you can put inject humanity in, the, in them, that that unsettles people because it's a reflection of not only the horrors that exist in the world, but also the evil that exists in all of us. Yep. Because I'm not out there murdering and raping people. You're not allegedly. Murdering, you're not murdering and raping people. But the the fucked up thing about humanity is that either one of us could. We have free will. The look in his eyes when he said no, that, that, I'm just playing. But I'm just saying. Yeah, we absolutely like, have the capacity for it. And that's fucking terrifying that all it takes is for somebody to, to get on a fucking bad string of situations and all of a sudden, like, they, they very easily could snap. Let, fall, let fall, him, Michael Douglas and falling down, you know. <laughs> let Brandon have a bad day at work to hear somebody talk shit on Ghostbusters. They're dead. Let me tell. Just, <laughs> I don't know if I ever told this story, but I'll tell it really quick. The one time I came really close to murdering a child, and when I say a child, <laughs> like an eleven year old, eleven twelve year old kid, I am. I'm at the haunted, my my day job, and this is the night. This is a Monday morning, the night after Joffrey was killed on Game of Thrones. <laughs> I did not have cable at the time, so I'm I'm having to watch things like like on a Wednesday when I could make it to whoever's house and they DVR it or whatever. And this kid would not shut the fuck up, so I'm having to be a little stern with him. So of course I piss him off and as he's going through from the first room to the second room, he says, By the way, Joffrey died on Game of Thrones last night. Sorry, spoiler alert. And I could have fucking strangled. I could have strangled this kid. And as I would have done it, he would have had Joffrey's face on him. Like, I would have been deluding myself in the way that that Joseph Zito, like, you know... well, if somebody who read the books already. Know, I'm just playing. It's horrible. I knew he was going to die. That's not the fucking point. But I know. didn't want it spoiled in what episode I had not seen yet. So, so now we have Tom Savini and his. Uh, had a really boring makeout session with the girl, just like weirdly touching her face. He's. But a, I mean, when you got a mustache like that, you know the panties drop. <laughs> I get it. You don't have to put in effort. There's a lot of good mustaches in this there movie. There really are. Do you think, and this is just shooting off the cuff right here, do you think Tom Savini would have made an excellent live-action Mario? <laughs> Not Wario. He's too He's skinny too- to be Mario. He could be Wario. <laughs> There's something about In my head, there will only be one live-action Mario, and that's Captain Lou Albano. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fair enough. So, uh, Joe, Joe Zito is... Peering through a window. We're talking about the, like the character. Yes. Although weirdly enough, the director is also peering through the window from an opposite view. Ah, uh, that's anyway. Yes. So what you're saying is that Bill Lustig is a pervert. <laughs> they are. Hand me a beer. <laughs> Get this my bear. Hold on, I got you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> okay, that's the last time I'll rip on him for that. This we're recording right after this for our deck, the main podcast, and of course I got to take a dig in or two. Uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll save the. You know I can't I can talk shit, but there's one time drunk I tried to twist off a a non twist open and cut the shit out of my hand. So you're not wrong. Oh wait, here we go. 
I'm sorry, but I can't look at him and not see Mario. It, and now you've said Wario, I can kind of see it a little more. I fucking love this, by the way. Yes. The the fog is rolling. You've got the, the headlights out there. And all of a sudden, Joe Zito, who's not a spry man. No. Is, is going to jump on the hood and fucking blow. One, two, three. Just a great fucking headshot. Ah. Do you think... The spray could have been better because it looks like it was. They just threw a cup of blood on her. Do you think that they slowed down this footage because otherwise it would have been too quick and they wanted you to like live in the moment? They wanted you to live in the moment. I think... I, I, mean, well, I guess what I'm asking you, do you think this was an artistic choice or was this a, a utilitarian uh, choice of making sure that you were able oh, to... Oh, this is 80... Like, the people that made this knew what they were doing. They wanted the most literal part, um, pun intended, bang for their buck. Like, if, honestly, though, played at full speed, it would have been, like, disturbingly realistic, and there was a choice to be said, but they want the gore. They let's, want the gross. Let's talk about the uh, the matter-of-fact brutality of this movie, because this is probably the one the one part where it's sort of hyper-realistic because yeah. of it being slowed down, but uh, in previous episodes, and we specifically have talked about this with, in Wes Craven's movie, is that he never glamorized the... The kills, and sometimes that can come across as, uh, I guess, less spectacular in like slasher movie terms. But it, but it gives the kills more of an impact because they That's play how, they play a little more real. Yeah, I, I've always liked that approach. Um, Bill Lustig's career, which we'll, we'll get to him in just a just a second, um, a wide <laughs> a wide gap in like his depiction of, of violence. Um, but I, I really think that if this had been sort of par for the course uh, slasher movies, really, I mean, this is technically an eighty movie, eighty one if you count them. You know, the, it I'm, still has a seventies grind it, to it. it. It does, but like this is technically pre Friday the Thirteenth, yeah. so we haven't hit that like that slasher boom where like. Excess and, and more and more gore. Yeah, but uh, as far as like that that chunk of like seventy eight to like eighty, you know, style of you know above and beyond, it still hits those marks. But I think this is just a little more down and dirty, and you know, made to it, it subconsciously burrows rather than you know in front of your eyes, I guess yeah. is the best way I'm trying to put it. Um, let's talk a bit really quickly about the movie poster, which to me is just iconic. You have a beautiful piece of art, um, and it's obviously not no. <laughs> the character of Joe Zito. Um, this dude is a little too uh, a little too hefty to, to quietly be him, but he's holding a decapitated head and, and a knife uh, standing over a pool of blood, and one of the things that got this movie poster banned in subsequent years is, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the huge bulge in uh, the, the dude's jeans on the movie poster. I'm just now noticing that for the first time. Nice. Yes, uh, they, they, were not, they were none too shy about uh, showing how aroused um, Joe Zito gets. Uh, Love the handcuff mannequin, by the way. Sorry. Well, you got to make sure he doesn't get away. Yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's a man who uh, is de de quite delusional. So in his mind, does he d does he truly fear that she could get away? Or is this just a part of his kink 
where you know he can't make. I'm just gonna say yes. He can't make love to a woman. Uh, he, he he is fear of an of abandonment, and that's a physical manifestation of that. I don't have a, a psychological degree, but I just I, I'm I'm putting the pieces together. Uh, Bill Lustig laid the breadcrumbs, and I'm, <laughs> I'm and I'm putting and I'm following the trail. Oh, so the, the rocket, like the, this whole, like the man, it, like yeah, the kills are disturbing, but the man can be just as unsettling is, and disturbing. Is and he? Is he? Rock, is he rocking this, or is he dick tipping it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's both. It's a comfort motion because he wasn't loved enough as a child, and he is fucking the side of this man again. And it's 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 really unsettling because they hold on this shot for a while, for a while, yeah. and all you hear is him breathing. Which is actually how the movie starts, by the way. You get that, like, uh, uh, This is the interesting shot uh, uh, from the viewpoint of a kid on a swing. Probably uh, probably a shot that, like, a... They murdered those kids for adrenochrome after this. I don't know. This isn't this isn't a big big enough budgeted movie. That's true. They're the, not Hollywood elites. Yeah, this is the, the, they sold them to like true. Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> <laughs> he would have been making the uh, the Shining around this time. He's he probably Shelley Duvall had him super stressed, so he needed to suck the life out of a child to to get Unwind. to get fucking through. <laughs> <laughs> so Maniac is directed by Bill Lustig, uh, aka William Lustig. We'll be a little, a little more. We'll be relaxed. We'll keep yeah. it informal. His friends call him Bill. Uh, he directed a film called Vigilante, which uh, is is on Shutter right now. And if you've got Shutter and you've never seen this movie, check it out. It's sort of like if Death Wish had more consequences and there were more people. Involved, I guess would be the best yeah. way to put it. You got Robert Forrester. Um, he was in God a fucking ton of things, but one of the unfortunate things he was in was in the remake of Psycho. The remake of Psycho was directed <sighs> by Gus Van Zant, who also directed Drugs for a Cowboy with Matt Dillon, who starred in Wild Things with Bill Murray. You just got busted. Uh, I, I, I like to forget that I'm a naturally optimistic person. I saw the Psycho remake opening day without knowing it was a shot for attempted shot for shot remake offering nothing new. Oh, well, you get to see Vince Vaughn masturbating. No, yeah, yeah, you do hear that. From behind the, uh, the, the wall. Honestly, Vince Vaughn's not even bad in the movie. He's just not Anthony Perkins. Well, I mean, who fucking. I almost said Hopkins, but he's not Anthony Hopkins. He's, he's not either. He's no form of Anthony. Man, you're talking about like an all-star cast and, and them being wasted. William H. Macy, Julianne Moore, um, Anne Hayes. I mean, down down the line, like man, they they screwed yep. the pooch on on that. I I saw that when I was in high school, and I remember going to uh, school the next day. And um, do you remember? Oh God, Quentin. I can't remember his last name. Quentin Hale? No, that's Clinton Hale. Uh, Quentin. I know you know him. Uh, yeah. Uh, Worked in the CD swap shop for years. Yes. I know who you're talking about. Oh, my God. Anyways, I'm like, hey, man, I just saw the <laughs> I just saw the Psycho remake, and it was it was actually pretty crap. And he's like, what the fuck were you thinking it was going to be? And I remember being ashamed. I was like, man, you're right. Like, <laughs> how how dare I even? Uh, Judge, you mean, that's where, that's, that's the, that <laughs> scarring memory is the reason you took years to see Evil Dead and then we're too drunk to even really remember. Yep. 
So it's like I never saw it at all. The nature's loophole. Yeah. <laughs> was not human centipede three drunk? No, no, that was that's rare. Man, this is creepy. You mean sexy? <laughs> <laughs> the Roosevelt Hospital. Their uh, their primary source of income is selling wheelchairs. <laughs> Um, uh, Bill Lustig also directed Maniac Cop 1, 2, and 3. So, uh, Maniac is, is uh, you know... Uh, a, it's a prequel movie. A motif. Those yeah. movies are fun, and we got to give and it a... And lighthearted and great. I, it's, it's one of the few movies where I can say that, like, genuinely, part two is considerably better than the first oh, yeah. one and I and I love I love the original part three is not so much but the the first two are so good um Tom Atkins is in the first one so if you want to make the argument that's the best one um but uh you got Bruce but Campbell he gets killed and then Bruce Campbell gets killed in part two I know but it it's so good there's so I, I honestly I like that in a movie you don't think like yo there's a hero what the fuck yeah <sighs> Sexy nurses. I miss the weird, dumb nurse hat. I never got the why that was a thing. The weird folded paper napkin on the head. The the back of a woman's head is the biggest target. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) Let's just protect that with with nothing at all. I mean, you don't know why they're in the hospital. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Madness and mayhem. Half of the fucking Daily Tribune front page is taken up with just the headline. And as someone who spent, you know, a good decade in the newspaper business, seeing the layout of movie newspapers makes me sick to my fucking I stomach. had to like turn around one day and I forgot how close you used to live to where he worked. Like it's just right up there. It is literally across, across, the, across street. the street, yeah. Like, uh, once upon a time in a completely different life. I, I I don't miss it. I don't miss it at all. Um, but there are days where the convenience of like, you know, going across the street was, was very nice. Although it made it really hard to like lay out of work, you know, I can just come check on you. It's like, Hey man, you all right? You need to come to work. We'll we'll bring you some chicken soup. Get over here. Motherfucker. (laughs) Like, I don't give a shit. Um, let's, let's talk about Joe Spinell, the, the the linchpin of what makes this movie work. And the first question I want to ask you is like, if this movie was recast, not necessarily in remake, but if like, if Joe Spinell was not the person in this in this role, would we be talking about this movie no. today? Like, I, I mean, no, I don't think we would because, like, this is, ele- like, we talk about elevated schlock. Besides, like, the, the rough violence and great special effects in this, it's held together by his phenomenal, way better than it has to be performance in a horror movie. If it some lesser actor, this would have been down there with like I eat your skin or I drink your blood or one of those hippie horror movies, the late seventies, <laughs> and like dumb shit like that. He is the reason this is still like talked to it. You know, there's I, a reason Joe Bob you know, like showed this. I, I do think that uh, it's it is a combination of the way it's shot because. Despite the fact this is a low budget movie, this movie looks terrific. Yeah, um, and it has that that seventies look that I f- just fucking love. It just drips with atmosphere. Everything looks lived and worn it and like or worn and lived in uh, because these are all real, real locations. locations. Yeah, so it's just the setting and 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 he's so good because. 
You know, she's definitely changed to get into this thing, but she also leaves plenty of change for him to follow. For him to be able to follow her. Yeah. (laughs) You deserve to die. You know, it's... it's, uh, (laughs) Intentional or not, I mean, it's actually a a good way to be able to justify how he gets in there. Little little things like that, you know, you could probably nitpick in other movies, but I'm willing to give uh, your, your point of view the benefit of the doubt. Maybe that was a conscious decision. Her her ineptitude and you know fear in the moment uh, allows the killer to actually catch up with her. Okay, the doors are closed, but it's just staying there. No, there we go. Now we're moving. Have you ever ridden on a subway? Yes, I've only been on a subway once, and oddly enough, it was in the Atlanta airport. Um, but yeah, because the thing's so fucking big, you 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 take yeah. the. the the subways to get from like one end to another. I have been to New York City and ridden the subway and Washington DC and ridden the subway and Chicago the L train. I I would I would I would love to ride the monorail I, as popularized I, by the Great Simpsons episode. I also um the only reason like the only thing I wanted to do in Chicago we went on a church school trip and I'm like oh I, we have to go to Lower Wacker Avenue. Why? Like, I just, I need to see it. Blues Brothers. <laughs> like, it's part of me and my dad's you, holy trinity. You gotta go to Wembley Stadium, because that's where they live. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, fairly recently at work. Wembley Stadium? No, Wembley Stadium. That's in that's in the UK. <laughs> Wrigley Field. <sighs> um, I know. I'm not even drunk. Hey, he's setting up horror tropes before they're even, just the slow walk follow. And it's it's just a hopeless romantic. He just wants to be friends. You know what's great about it is that she doesn't know that he's the fucking maniac. She's just assuming based off of the headlines. So the media has conditioned her to be afraid. And, I mean, he he obviously is the killer. (laughs) I mean, fucking look at him. But at the same same time, like, this this could have been a miscommunication or just somebody, you know, the fight or flight kind of taking over. I have been walking um, back from the old city in Knoxville to I parked my car far away and inadvertently was behind a woman, probably a couple, like, a, like 50, 75 feet. We were just walking the same direction we're, and it did not occur to me to like, oh, why is she? Oh, God. Did, were like, you, she were you sped breathe- the fuck up and got the fuck out of there. Were you breathing like, yeah, it was just after a metal show at uh, Blue Cat, so probably... Maybe not like Eric Cartman, but <laughs> it was. I was fat, sweaty, smelling. I want two bowls of spaghetti. <laughs> but yeah, like so, I who am not a maniac have suffered. Don't sell this. yourself short. <laughs> That's true. I'm not a, a, a sex deviant murderer. Just the sex deviant. So, do you know who Michael Cimbello is? No. Michael Cimbello is the song is the guy who wrote the song. She's a maniac, maniac on yeah. the floor. Do you know he wrote that song based off of this movie? No. What? All right, hear me out. The original version of that song had different lyrics. It was something along the lines of like, "She's a maniac, ma- or he's a maniac, maniac on the floor." He'll. Kill your cat and nail him on a door. It was something like that. It was a joke, sort of a joke song. Yeah. But he uh, submitted music because he, Michael Cimbello was the guitar player for Stevie Wonder back in the day, like a legit musician. Yeah. And But he kind of broke off on his own and was doing like music for, for like soundtracks and stuff. So he submitted his song 
on a tape that he wrote uh, for uh, shit. What was it? Uh, Flashdance? Yeah. That's the song that's from. And I guess on the other side, he had that song. And they listened to that song first, and they're like, we fucking love it, but you need to change these songs about killing, <laughs> the lyrics about sh- uh, killing cats. Um, but that's, that is a 100% true story. Wow. So this movie uh, had cultural revel- uh, relevance, uh, whether you knew it or not, it ended up being becoming spawning one of the biggest, you know, hits of its time. Yeah, Michael Cimbello made a career out of uh, uh, appropriating maniac and the, <laughs> the masses. <laughs> this is our fat, creepy-looking guy culture. How dare he appropriate? <laughs> uh, I could look friendly. Just I don't see Joseph. I mean. I'm sure he had friends and family and people who Dude, cared about him, but this he, movie ruined me on him. He was loved. He was genuinely loved. He was one of those guys that he 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 had connections and was able to make uh, you know, these basically like featured roles, I guess would be the best way to put them, like small roles, but they're but they're like you get a few lines. Like he's the guy in Rocky. That Rocky has, uh, that Rocky's working for, where he's like, yeah, "Hey, go, go break, you know, guys' fingers to get my, you know, pay, repay my debt." And he's got, a, you know, small role in um, Godfather One and Two. He's in Taxi Driver with Robert De Niro, who was in Mad Dog and Glory with Bill Murray, who was in Ghostbusters. You just got busted again. He's in. You ever seen the Ninth Configuration? Uh, I know the name. It's directed by William Peter Blatty. This is the unofficial sequel to The Exorcist. Yes, yeah, I know what you're talking uh, about. Jason Patrick is in it. Um, it. It's it's a movie about vets, uh, and they're held up in a castle, and it deals a lot with like uh, psychological trauma. And it's one of those things. It's like, how is this a sequel to The Exorcist? Well, it's really not, but it's like it is if you squint at it from thematic points yeah, and thema- uh, theme and tone but William Peter Blatty uh, would later go on to actually create the the uh, true sequel the true sequel Legion uh, you know but, I'm sorry but Joe Spinell's in that and he's he's terrific and he's also in the pickup artist um, I do have to say this The Exorcist 2 is a better bad movie than Exorcist 3 is a good movie <sighs> and I love both you know I I revere Exorcist (laughs) 3 because I love George C. Scott. George C. Scott, it's my favorite role he ever did. And I love fucking the Changeling and Patton. By by the way, we're seeing uh, Joe Spinell as Josito stab a fucking sword through this whore in a a fucking bathroom. (laughs) Excuse me, that is a working nurse. You don't know if she's a whore or not. She's uh, a she, slut. She be- All nurses in the 80s were <laughs> slutty. Have you not seen the myriad documentary movies they made about it? You're, okay, I apologize. You're, you're <laughs> correct. Uh, my apologies, Russ Meyer. <laughs> just spit on the, uh, Great documentarian. <laughs> I, I love that he... Um, Cleans it off. Yeah, because, you know... He takes care of his things. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so, in, in 1986... Uh, Joe Spinell would star in a short film called Maniac 2, Mr. Robbie. You ever heard of this? No. Um, the intent of this short film was to potentially gain ad- investors uh, so they could make a sequel, um, albeit it would focus on a different character. And Joe Spinell's character was going to be, I want to say, like a children's performer, like a, <laughs> like a, like a Bozo the Clown kind of character who was going to like basically kill people 
who like abused children. Oh, okay, that'd have been awesome. So they were going to kind of flip flip it. It, it, it would have been the T two. Yeah, you know, there you of, go of, of sequels. So he would have been he would have gotten to play the, the nice guy because in a lot of these movies he did get to play the the heavy or you know the you know the I love the sunglasses scalping the rapist. Yeah, he's inside, but he's still got style. Exactly. <laughs> he's got the robe. Um. So uh, back to, to to Joe Spinell, like um, before we move on to uh, the young lady here developing uh, these pictures, um, he he had so many friends, like like important friends in in film. He was one of those guys that like would give you like he'd make like ten thousand dollars and he would give four thousand of it away to like hey you know I need a new car. He's like all right here man take it. He was just a really, really genuinely nice, giving human being, and I, I can't help but think that if if he were an actor now, he would both be afforded, afforded more opportunities and less opportunities because of the way the Hollywood films are made. Like, on, on Shudder, he'd be the fucking biggest star yeah. in the world. But in the mainstream consciousness, it's like he wouldn't even exist. So he kind of got in at the perfect time as far as being able to be in these like really huge movies that people not only know and love, but movies that have stood the test of time. But in, in, for, in, but in terms of like his own personal success and visibility, I think he kind of missed the boat in the just because... He is kind of a creepy dude, and uh, yeah, and, looking um, he, dude. But he wasn't. He wasn't Michael Barry, Berryman creepy. You know what I mean? Yeah, not creepy enough to make a career out of just that. Just like creep, like real life creepy. Like we know, like we walk down the street and seen guys like this. Yeah. My by the way, I'm not shitting on Michael Berryman. Met him, awesome. Super super nice guy. I met him at a convention in uh, like 2006. Um, Full out. I always get this wrong. If it's uh, ink and blood or blood and ink, one is a tattoo. One is a tattoo horror convention. The other one is oh. a uh, a traveling show about the Gutenberg press that prints Bibles. So two entirely I different. Think ink things. and bloods. That's the one you and Matt went to, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it was a terrific con, and uh, he was so humble and nice. He told us a lot of stories, but we'll we'll save that for when we do uh, Hills Have Eyes. Carolyn Monroe. I met Carolyn Monroe in probably 2006 or 2007, around around the same time, uh, at a convention in Knoxville. I actually got her and Richard Keel to autograph my uh, Spy Who Loved Me DVD, oh. which I, may be a controversial pick, but that's my personal favorite James Bond movie, as is Roger Moore, my favorite Bond. I mean, I'm making Tony like just... You can't know, because I, I have different opinions but I will not invalidate the opinion, personal opinions of a fellow James Bond. Fan. I mean, I didn't. I mean, I didn't pick the uh, only. The only way you're wrong is if you say Timothy Dalton's okay, favorite right. James Bond. I actually yeah. don't have a problem with Timothy Dalton, but he was in in two movies. That I, I, I yeah, don't care for. He's okay. The movies are not great. They're the worst. I'm so, sorry. so do you do you okay. know uh, the history of Carolyn Monroe aside from? Uh, no, I know she was in the Spy Who Loved Me and this. And um, she she had uh, a fairly prolific career working in Hammer Films, 
Um, so I've probably seen her a you, bunch. You have you really. more than likely have seen her, and you've probably seen quite a bit of her. Um, she was in, uh, going back before we get to Hammer. She was in the Abominable Doctor Fives and its really? sequel, Doctor Fives Rises Again. She plays Fives' dead wife. Oh yeah. Um, I fucking love the Abominable Doctor Fives. I mean, let's say, let's just you mean and, and, and Vincent Price. It's it's either the original Abominable Doctor Fives or Mask, Mask of the, the Red, Red Death at her best. Uh, shout out to uh to the M three podcast. Um, they're they uh, they're going to interview Roger Corman in the coming future. I hope I, I'm, I'm, actually I'm not. I know he told me this in confidence. I don't know. I don't know if I'm spoiling it or not. But um, man. Mass the Red Death is so good. Is it? Isn't it that like the biggest like parallel that we have to like what was going on last year? Yeah, like people inside. Let's uh, have Corona parties. Yeah, and as the as the plague is like surrounding, it's fucking and crazy. Satanists killing kids for the adrenochrome. It all ties. It all just ties I need to. I don't know. I need to make this very clear. If you give any credence to to Q or any of those kind of conspiracies. You are fucking stupid, and I don't care if you listen to the podcast anymore or not. I care. I don't. Give, I, don't give fuck what, I don't give a fuck what you think. <laughs> but, it's Brandon's podcast, so but, I'm just hurting his listeners. But, but seriously, um, they are definitely drinking the, the bodily fluids of children. This, this, that's one hundred percent fact. It's not the Hollywood elite or the government. That's just people that want to have a good time. Fair enough. We're gonna do a shot to, to Vincent Price. To Vincent fucking Price. This is our second as shot of the movie. As you're, pour, as you're pouring it for me, I'll continue on. She was in Dracula AD 1972, which was made by Hammer. Um, I, I point this one out specifically because this is the movie that's set in contemporary times, and boy, does it stick out like a sore throat. Is that the one that's in public domain? No. It's the one made right before. Okay. Uh, you're thinking of the, sat- the satanic rites of, uh, of Dracula. Okay, probably. Which is where Dracula wants to use a bioweapon to kill everybody yeah. for some reason. Terrible, terrible movie. What a! That's actually not how the series ends. The series ends. Uh, the final Dracula movie is the uh, the Kung Fu Dracula movie, um, where Christopher Lee's not in it. And I'm blanking on the name of it. The Seven Golden Vampires. So that's what it's called. I probably haven't. If Christopher Lee wasn't in it, I probably didn't watch it. It does have Peter Cushing. Maybe I can't remember. It's been. I don't own it. That's the only reason. Oh, I'm, then I'm it must not be any good. It's it's definitely uh, the waning years of, of Hammer. Um, she was a Bond girl. Spy loved me. She autographed my DVD copy, so that's a really really cool uh, moment for me. Um, she was in a really underrated slasher film called Slaughter High. Oh yeah, that's a great movie. Um, I always remember the cover from because I uh, used to rent it occasionally at Showbiz Video and more stuff. Oh man, Showbiz Video. I. I don't know if I've told this story. Fuck, I'll tell it right now. Um, the the daughter of the the couple who owned that place, I went to high school with her, and she had Meg Foster eyes. I mean, she had like the bluest eyes you've ever fucking seen. Um, to so much so that you could overlook whatever other imperfections she may have had. But like, man, she was a fucking knockout just simply because of those eyes. That being said, uh, me and a friend that I will leave, leave nameless as not to implicate him for for the theft that we used to do in there all the time. Um, uh, <laughs> we we were stupid teenagers, and we decided that it would be fun to steal things, but only steal things that were like not important 
it was just a thrill of doing it. But we'd go in there and we would we would hit on this girl, and then we would steal the VHS boxes, not the movies, just the boxes. Um, but uh, yeah, showbiz video. That's uh, that's my that's my story about well, that. Yeah, he wipes the kiss away because he's uncomfortable with normal affection. Like like his little touches like that. Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. Um, real quickly. I'm going to shit on her a little bit. My dad was a photographer. She's doing a photo shoot. And to show she's a photographer, she's constantly focusing the camera. If they're all right there, she wouldn't have to adjust the focus that much. I'm sorry. Uh, as someone who has... Shitty actress and I'm leaving. As, as somebody who has a degree in digital photography, I cannot take a picture worth a shit. So I would not have ever I thought put it that... was... It's... Not not digital photography. I thought it was in. Um, I got graphic design and graphic design, graphic okay. design and oh. digital photography. Um, but that that being said, I cannot take a picture worth a shit. He gives he sends the best dick pics. Okay, I, well, let's that's just different. be real. That's different because I have a, a he print. brings props. I have. <laughs> I he a, always puts some in there to give you scale, and then you just got to respect that. I put I put a little beret on it, and a, <laughs> I give it a, a tiny French baguette, and, the, and then I say bonjour. See, look, she's just giving a hell <laughs> bonjour. <laughs> Let's drink, let's drink to Dick Pigs. Dick uh, Pigs and Vincent Price. He would have loved both. <laughs> I've just stopped laughing before I drink. Speaking of Vincent Price and Dick Pigs, like there is no better impression I've ever liked any comedian doing more than Bill Hader's Vincent Price on SNL. Oh, God. I'm not joking. I didn't even get it in. No. Okay. I'm going to have to stop laughing before I take my job. Then don't watch her walk. Oh, my God. Like a fucking weird crap. Her, her fucking... Um, we cheered. You have to do the shot. My OCD is kicking in. I'm going to do... I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I've got to stop. I'm going to get clear-headed okay. before, oh. before I fucking do it. I'll, I'll come back to it. Uh, she finally reteamed to with uh, Joe Spinell in 1982's The Last Horror Movie. Have you ever, have you ever no, seen this? I don't think I have. Um, it was because it wasn't. It's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, this movie was. Um, I actually saw it before I ever saw this, and I actually didn't point this out. I I was an adult before I ever saw Maniac. Probably the best time. I saw it way too young. Yeah. Um. This was not a movie that was readily available or areas where I was renting at the time. And um, Bill Lustig created this uh, company called Blue Underground, which is the DVD copy that I actually own. So I was—it's was probably like 2008 before I ever saw this movie. And um, Jesus, I wouldn't have thought. I, yeah, I was a full full on adult, but I got to say, if I had seen this um, back back in the day, it would have uh, uh, it would have been one of those movies I probably would have skipped sections of. Uh, this not being one of them. The, okay, the, do the shot, man. It's, the, it's the, really, it's going to kill me. The, the, hint, the hint of uh, nudity. I'll put on a robe before the getting in the shower. I Go apologize. On, I, I, I don't miss your bubble in there. Hell yeah. Treating yourself right <sighs> is what she's doing. But, uh... No, um, yeah, 2008. Well, it depends on full and adult. Did you have a beard then? Yes. Okay, if without a beard now, you're not a full and adult. You're still too baby-faced. 
he's just sexy and ageless, ladies. <laughs> he's single, ready to mangle. Uh, ready to uh, blow seed inside of you. Give you the best be, three seconds ever. Well, more three three seconds uh, three seconds on a bad day. Yeah, uh, he's going twelve twelve to twelve to fifteen. If I try on a real bad day, he feels the heat coming off that thing. It's over. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just wanted to work in that phrase. <laughs> That's a real phrase I've actually heard. No, oh, just let me feel the heat coming off that thing, baby, at a bar. Oh my god, damn! It's hotter. Uh, it's no, hotter in here than trinkets. a. It's hotter in here than a a, a whore's uh, doorknob on nickel night. That's a. That's an old joke. Right, little slick. He's jamming the doorknob, the the latch. It's 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 a nice. That's uh, no, not nice. It's fucking terrible. But it's a. It's a it's a good plot point where basically he uses an innocuous gesture to find out where. Hey kids, if you want to murder people, <laughs> you need to be taking a list right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, if she'd have deadbolted it, which it was a, ta- it did have a deadbolt on the inside. She'd still be able. So she kind of deserves it. If she didn't want to be murdered, she would have locked it. He's just fulfilling her request. Especially living in like you know this crime-ridden uh, area where the the maniac do we, that, do that we has have a been, boob, where we have an ass. I remembered a lot more new. Oh, pubic hair, boobs. Okay, yay. You know, and then she's got to put the. I'm not gonna lie. There, uh, there was oh fuck, Townsend, Sarah and I. We got this really nice hotel, the hot tub in Townsend a couple years back. And we had the best time, not sexual, just taking the best. We, we used a little bit too much bubble bath, though, and I had to scoop armfuls of it into the shower in the bathroom because <laughs> we were flooding the whole room. It's nice. Treat yourself right, people. Well, well I mean, that's that's a lot better than I, the, the where I thought this the story was going to go. No, no, no. We well, I thought there's going to be shrimp involved. <laughs> shrimp. Shrimp. <rum. laughs> For the two of you that get that reference. You're awesome, yeah, and you, I love you. Yeah, and uh, that uh, that Fat Tony's dick pics that's still on the still on It's the still on, man. <laughs> um, do you know who uh, originally was uh, considered for the... For the role in this movie, that, Sir uh, Lawrence Olivier. No, for uh, oh. for Caroline Monroe's character. Oh, uh, I'm trying to think of actors. Sybil Shepherd's the only one I can think no. of age appropriate. Daria Nicolodi, which is better known as Dario Argento's wife. Oh, and well, uh, Dario Argento's daughter grew up hot, so she probably had to be. Yeah, and, uh, and Asia Argento, Asia Aja or Aja, Aja, Aja Argento, say, who yeah. was dating. Um, Fuck! What's his name? Who committed suicide? And now everybody thinks that that he's involved. Uh, that that he was uncovering uh, Is elite, there, did, elite scandals. No, I didn't know any. You don't of know this. any about this? Okay. So, um, fuck! I'm, I can't think of his name. He was the the famous chef. He did that show. Anthony with, Bourdain. Anthony Bourdain. Anthony yeah. Bourdain was getting to hit that. Yes, he was. Good on him. So now I've actually I had this conversation. With uh, Sarah before, I've watched a lot of those no reservation, you know, no reservation, no reservation, and all that. Like you could see, there's even one episode where he goes back to a place to do something he's done before, and he's like, "Oh, the first time they killed a pig, now it just felt nothing." And they're like, it's not surprising. You, what it was is he got tired of his wife's pussy, which happens. I don't think they were married, but they or, or they, his uh, his lover. <laughs> he once he, did, he realized that she, she no longer did it for him. 
He's like, well, there's nothing left to look Okay, for. well, you, you do know that she is... Like, consent ages are different over there. Oh, God, but, no. Don't but tell me. Ozzy Argento, while in America, was filming a movie and hooked up with like a 13 or 14-year-old okay, boy. Okay, that's bad. Never mind. And She's fucking hot, though. Yes, she is. Especially in was. Land of the Dead. Land of the Dead. And I hate... I don't like the movie with Triple X. Oh, yeah. With Vin Diesel. The, the, the best Vin Diesel movie ever is Iron Giant, and I will fight you. Any Anyone over it. Any any movie you had named other than Triple X, I would have agreed with, just simply out of principle. Yeah. No. <laughs> I'll take Triple X over Fast and Furious. I don't like any of those movies. Fair enough. Um, but, yeah, she... Yeah. Uh, she diddled a kid. She diddled a kid. Which I mean, hey, this is fu- it's, it's a double standard. But if I was that kid, we did, I would have been so fucking ready. I feel like for the that. Pete David Pete Davidson SNL sketch where he has the threesome with the two teachers. Yeah, but, but I don't. It, oh wait, wait, look, she's she's still alive, Tida. This is like this is the shit. And it's the way he talks to her. So matter of yes, fact, he's, it's he's just not so he's not pon- he's not pontificating. He's not you know giving like the villain monologue. He's he's talking to her like a human being, and that's what makes this effective. Yeah, much like how Asia Argento probably said these things to, <laughs> to get in the pants of a small child. Anyways, um, Anthony Bourdain, sometime before before he committed suicide, he commented on Twitter that like he had information involving sexual trafficking and things of that nature. Oh, I didn't know any of this. And then all of a sudden, he ends up dead. So, (sighs) conspiratorial arguments aside, uh, Asia Argento... He could have just been mad as wife fucked a kid and he was just trying to throw shade on Twitter. I think that was before they were together. Oh, okay. But all the same... It might have happened he found out after and he's like, well, that's fucked up. I don't know. I don't know. Guys are petty. Rest, rest in peace, my friend. Yeah, um, I, I loved his books. Like, his fiction books and his, um, fuck, the Kitchen Confidential is one of the best non-fiction books I've ever read in my life. Don't eat seafood on Monday. <laughs> it's a weird thing, but. When, uh, going back to, yes. to Ozia's mother, uh, Daria, when, when she dropped out, this would lead to Caroline being cast in the role. However, before Caroline would agree to be in the film, she demanded her character be more prominent. You know, that's sort of standard, you know, if you're, yeah. you know, if you're, you want, you want more screen time and everything. However, this has sort of an unintended result in that it gives the Frank Zito character more of a humanized element because of their relationship. So my question, we've touched on this a little bit as we've gone on, does this improve or hurt the film ultimately? Honestly, it improves it. And I don't want to, I want to disagree. God, this is so funny. He's just got the switchblade out on her. Like, this is, this is a rough shit. I mean, I've seen worse. There's those shot on shitty thing, but like, it's the high, high production value, good acting, horror can be some of the most disturbing shit ever. Like, you got your bullshit August Underground and, like, all these other, like, horror shocker movies, but they're not as effective as something with substantially less violence. I mean, I'd say, yeah, this has less violence than those movies, but, like, what because vi- of the what great vi- acting. It's quantity over quality uh, in in terms of, like, August Underground oh, yeah. and movies like that. But th- this is, like, it's the moments outweigh the the lack of, you know, like a body count. Because this doesn't have a huge body count. Yeah. But, you know, this is pre 
you know, the body count era of, like, horror films. And, like, I guess you can categorize this as a slasher film, but really it, it's it's more of, like, a... Fuck, I don't even know how to categorize it. This is a, this is a weird... Romantic comedy. It's no. a romantic comedy. But it, it kind of... It, not a comedy, but it's definitely... Romantic uh, drama, because it does, you know, he just wants to be loved and a few scalps. And to kill whores and to kill mommy. And there he goes, right in the sternum with the just, with the switchblade. Ugh. Okay, uh, and he uh, just lays on her. Let, let's talk really quickly okay. uh, about about the remake. Fuck. Okay. You talk all the shit you want on I, remakes. That's let, one of the let, best. Let me let me get this out of the way really quickly. There are a handful of remakes that I think that are uh, purpose and existing. Uh, a is valid, and B they do something with the material that differentiates itself enough from the original to justify its existence, and also creating a a great film in of itself. Maniac is one of those movies. And C, you get to see Frodo scalp a bitch first person perspective. True, true that. I, I thought fucking the, amazing. This this movie has that really like. Really dirty, uh, 70s, matter of fact, you know, kind of framework to it in, yeah. in, in sense of its cinematography and stuff. The Frodo, Elijah Wood yes. <laughs> remake, um, is a lot more vibrant in its color palette. It, it almost has, uh, uh, kind of a, pastel kind of quality to it. I, I hate but, I, but I, but I really like, I really like that. Just giving Brandon shit about hating remakes. When I heard that it was filmed first person perspective, I'm like, oh my God, how fucking gimmicky. It's going to be stupid. I will gladly admit I was 100% wrong. Even Sarah, who is not, Sarah likes watching horror movies because her kids like her to watch horror movies. She's not a big fan in and of themselves. But even she's like, oh my fucking God, this movie's great. Yeah, it's, it's very rare that I will see a movie where I absolutely love the original and will be blown away by, by a remake. Um, there's only a handful of, uh, I know it's that it? and the fog remake, right? Oh, fuck, <laughs> fuck, fuck yeah. Tom Welling. Super, <sighs> stupid. Super, Worst super, remake of all time. Superman bitch. That's Worse than psycho. Psycho had good performances, even in a shitty you're, waste of a movie. You're, you're, you're not wrong. Um, the Suspiria remake. I love that movie. I yes. absolutely loved that movie because it took the same idea and did something creative with it as opposed to just retreading the same ideas with new technology. Um, but the thing that I liked about the, the Maniac remake is that Elijah Wood, albeit kind of a doofy looking guy, I can I can understand why women would look at him and be non non threatening by him. So if you had had like Flip Seymour Hoffman or you know like your, yeah. your typical like kind of big creepy dude, creepy dude who can play be creepy, yeah, like I think the movie would have fallen flat. But having him just as like a unassuming guy, but yet still terrifyingly, incredibly awkward and oh my god, scary. Yeah, that's good stuff. And uh, I, we kind of touched on this before we started recording, but so uh, we, we're, we're both fans of this series called Wilfred. 
Oh hell yeah! Wilfred is a is a series that uh, started off as as a New Zealand series or New it Zealand. Australia? I'll show you. One yeah, of I know we'll probably, somewhere on the other side. We're, of the we're world. Ch- by the way, Rants from the Black Lush podcast is charting, and I'll show you right now. And I want to use the, my words very. Carefully. Oh, well, then in case fuck New Zealand, they're just your all's Canada. <laughs> if if it is indeed a New Zealand show, I apologize for um, you know. They are it. completely different. They are different. Um. That being said, um, it's about this this guy who uh, you don't know whether or not he's having a delusional <laughs> breakdown, or Good. or is he uh, actually being communicated commu- communicated with by this dog god, Wilfred? And the series went like five or six seasons, and throughout it, you have a lot of twists and turns. But I just a little bit of head cannon here. Because of the revelations that you see throughout the show, is there any way that you can connect the world of Wilfred into the Maniac remake? He moved. Everything broke him mentally. Things didn't end well with his psyche, and he moved away and started a new life and became a serial killer. I'm totally on board for that becoming... And you know, the there's not a, the decision. There's no dogs in the Maniac remake. Maybe he purposely avoids them now. Well, is do, doesn't doesn't he dis like uh, Wilfred disappear at the very end? I can't, I'm trying to remember. Like it's been so he, long. He, he comes to terms with the fact that Wilfred isn't actually there, and the through the crux of the show, uh, the ba- Dwight Yoakam episode was the one like this shit right here. It's complicated. That's the greatest thing, greatest turn I've ever seen in any TV series ever. But the the basement, anytime they're in the basement. Or like, the basement that doesn't exist. The basement doesn't exist. <laughs> like, that's just, it's like he goes into his closet and just like stays there and like, yeah. and like you know, visualizes things for like hours upon end. But, so you can look at this two ways of how we can connect this. So yes, it's it's the fallout of him, you know, coming to terms that he is crazy. He moves to another town, and he's a new assumed identity, and goes on a murder spree. Or does the movie Maniac exist within one of those trips inside his mental basement? Oh, that's true. Because we don't we don't know what other delusions he's no, suffering. No, I'm going to flip that. The entire series, Wilfred, happens in the delusions of Maniac when he's at his house and getting all weird and catatonic and stuff. He envisions a nice life where he's a lawyer, but even in his fantasies, he's still depressed and attempts suicide. Yeah, with uh, uh, placebos. Yeah. Um, Great show. Who goes to a fucking... uh, (laughs) Who goes to a graveyard in the middle of the night to mourn your, your dead mother... Uh, I, mean, I take that good back. sons, but I, not on a date. I've taken dates to graveyards. Graveyard. Were you there to mourn your mother? No, I was not. Hey, my mother's not. We grew dead. up in the nineties, so um, oh, must be nice. That's oh, horrible. Oh, <laughs> Didn't, that went oh, way too hard. That fuck. went way harder than a minute ago. Man, that was like getting punched in the stomach. <laughs> I really apologize, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel bad. <laughs> Oh man! <laughs> I was just... One time I fucked a girl in, in your house, and uh, your mother walked in on it. Yeah, I know. I'm I will, sorry. I, will, I, will, I was I will, pretending to be asleep so you can get you some. I will. I will never. I will never forget that. Rest. Rest in peace. Uh, anyway, I apologize for derailing everything, but <laughs> what I thought would be a light joke, as soon as I heard it, I'm like that's fucking hard. Get her. You emotionally 
You yeah, he moved, does move a lot faster than you think for a big fat guy. He's got forward momentum. He's like the he's like the, the boulder in, oh. I was gonna say he's like the boulder in Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> oh, here you go. But yeah, sure, the juggernaut. I'm the juggernaut, bitch. He does have sort of. He does weird leaps too. Uh, just a little dainty for a size. Well, it's because he's having to dodge tombstones. I mean, but yeah, I mean, he's more spry than you think. Like this, this, and this is completely unrelated. But this scene reminds me of there's a part in the Warriors where they're they're in the park and they're being chased, and like all the light, like not right in this scene, but like if you yeah. go back a few frames. All the lights coming, coming from the bottom, yeah. from the bottom, but like in the in the warriors, it's all coming from above because they hung a bunch of fucking like lights in the trees because it's the only way they light yeah. the, light the scene. But it has that similar kind of mood to it. Uh, I don't know if uh, Walter that. Hill would probably be offended at me saying Walter that. Hill would rise up out of his grave and pimp smack <laughs> you for comparing him to a Schlockmeister. <laughs> but I love that movie. Sorry, the warriors. I as do I. Did you ever play the Warriors video game? Hell yeah. Me and people like the oldest stepdaughter's biological father when before he was on antidepressants, smoking weed all the time, but we drink we did have two great nights of playing that video game cooperatively and it was great. Made by Rockstar, very, very fun. Which uh, leads me to my next question. Is there is there a video game potential for Maniac? <laughs> It's you know, called Grand Theft Auto, and <laughs> if if in Grand Theft Auto, I mean, the, when they do Grand Theft Auto Six, if you could if you could <laughs> take your prostitutes to places other than a car, there you go. And, take them to the cemetery and stalk them <laughs> like a serial killer. You, I don't think Part Six they said it's going to come out in like twenty twenty two. That's you know you think that's really not that far away, but they are like late twenty twenty. But still, I mean like. Then the time since Grand Theft Auto Five came out, the original had like three, or like Vice City, uh, four, or yeah, or but, but San Andreas and four. But you got to think, man, the, the the scale of these games is so much more than than this what they time they're in. doing a, a shot for shot, like perfect drive through of America. You can just go through the entire country. Because the last one, apparently, it's like very close to like L.A. or it is L.A. like street for street. Just yeah, renamed. they they you know they they change the the names to uh, protect the innocent or to reflect. The oh, right here. Series. This is uh, yeah. this is where basically like you you can make the argument like what of this movie is actually happening, and what of this movie is in his head. I'm going to say that didn't. But he's got a little Oedipal complex. Speaking of oh, great tragedies, oh, absolutely. Um, but I, my but my point is, is like, has he murdered anybody? Yeah, yeah. The scalps, the scalps is that's they're just too matter of fact. Now, I'm yeah, gonna, I think I think what it is, he started out killing to, to, to you know punish women who he hated because he hated his mother, but he loves his mother and do all that. And then it slowly gets more out of control until he has a complete break with reality. And I love that weird broken mouth thing on his door. It's just fucking great. If you ever go to somebody's house and that's more part of their wall art, unless there's some kind of like goth chick, <laughs> e girl, if it's a grown man, 
Oh, past you, 35, run. Oh, dude. You if, were going to be murdered. Especially if, like, after noticing it, he, he puts the latch in on the, on the chain lock. So, uh, real quick before we, we get into this, uh, this last stretch of the movie, I, I want to talk about our, our good buddy Mixtron. Um, yeah, just read the autograph you gave me in the book. Nice, but <laughs> that's great. I fucking loved it. So, you know, Mick, like, it's actually the, I, I met Mick uh, for the first time in person fairly recently, but like he and I have like like genuinely become friends. We we chat fairly fairly regularly, and my day job is you know I'm the creative director at Ripley's Haunted Adventure, and he's doing uh, as as a favor to a friend. He's doing a um, a haunted house in like Indiana or. Uh, or Illinois, or Ohio, like somewhere, he, uh, somewhere in Yankee Land, somewhere, somewhere I can't go to. And he was like, "Listen, they've got this one area, and they're they're wanting to retheme it." And he messaged me and was like, "Hey, what do you think I should do here?" And which, wow, is, I want to awesome. put this in the perspective. Mixtron worked on Nightmare on Elm Street three, Nightmare on Elm Street four, Candyman. Boogie Nights and Runaway Train, were, which were both uh, nominated for Academy Awards, and he messages me what I would do. And I'm like, what the, like, why are you asking me? Like, you just dropped your fucking uh, wallet, by the way, Tony. Um, which is like the greatest compliment I could, I could yeah. be, be paid. And whether he did it uh, out of just, you know, like, ah, he's my buddy, he works in haunted houses, he's probably got good ideas, or, you know, is thinking about something that I wouldn't, like, Anything that Mick could have come up with would have been better. And what spurred that is they're talking about that little face on the door. Yeah. Like, production design is, is such an important part of film. And that's sort of like what makes this movie great, especially coming into the end of the movie. Because his one-bedroom apartment is so... This is how he masturbates and- to completion. This is his fan. <laughs> I've just realized just now for this time watching the movie... This is how he masturbates to completion. So you're saying the the, the squirting out of the neck hole there, that's that's him ejaculating. Him, him getting it, yeah. Like, no, when they completely eviscerate him, that's the same, and rip his head off, that's the same and leave it in his body. By the way, this, uh, this, this, him, his head being ripped off, this is brought to further fruition in Day of the Dead, which Tom Smith yes. also did the special effects on. Um, Probably if you had to put a gun to my head, that that the kid, the ripping of that dude in that movie is probably my favorite Savini. Joe film. Joe Pilato um, plays a uh, Colonel Rhodes, a fucking masterpiece in, in terms of like conventional effects. Um, but, but running back to Mixtron, like, um, did you get what I did? Did you give him like what'd you throw out there? Oh well, I I, I I'm like well, uh, if in simplest terms, uh, spider's nest. You know, just you just cobweb the fuck out of it, and and if you want, and a lot of this conversation was like, is there an actor? Is there not an actor? And you know, if you got an actor, you know, build a stumpy box where it's just a, it's a uh, a spot where you have two uh, mirrors at a 45 degree angle with a spine blocking the seam and you have a tattered shirt that hangs over it to make him look like they don't have any legs. Then you can have the spider spinning the legs into a cocoon. I don't know if he's doing all that, but the whole, you know, the, the block out with the, uh, you know, the spider's den kind of thing. He totally ran with that. And that's just, it's a cool thing that like this dumb little podcast that we do uh, used to be once a month, now twice a month has afforded me to where 
I'm giving advice to a seasoned veteran who has worked on some of my all-time favorite films, and he's asking me, little old me, for for uh, for tips and and things. So, um, uh, tip of the cap to to Mick. Uh, I'll I will gladly give you terrible ideas, all that you ask me. Um, but uh, he's give him a couple drinks, and he'll give you more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Out of respect, he's a goddamn legend. Well, I mean, it's true. You at least got to touch a tip. <laughs> That dude's hair just—I don't—I forgot about the cop. It's—I don't know. I don't like it. See, that, that's so it. he finished. Here's here's the, here's the question: As we move into the end of this movie, what the fuck happened? I think that chick got away. He had a psychological break. His whole madness came in because he was developing real things for her. And his weird fucked up past and psychosis interrupted everything. He came home and killed himself in the in the midst of a delusion. If you really want my actual base, no, I'm trying to be funny answer. And they just walk out of the room like, oh, I'm going to... I'll close this door. I'm, no, going, to, I'm going to say that um, his interactions with Carolyn Monroe never happened. Well, that, yeah. I think I think he had a, a from a distance affection obsession. for her, yeah. or a, obsession, probably the better word. Yeah. And I think he, uh, I think he did himself in. Well, still the collapsing of that fantasy, even to himself, he couldn't maintain the fantasy. Same result. He, he a psychotic break and kills himself. But oh my oh, god, yeah, maniac. So, uh, final thoughts: Does this movie hold up? Yeah, I like honestly, we're watching it without the dialogue. We're watching it quiet and the only subtitles you ever in Spanish. And by the way, Tom Savini's character is named Disco Boy, <laughs> Disco Boy, and Disco Girl, <laughs> Beach Boy, and Beach Girl, Street Hooker, Second Deadbeat. They have some great fucking names, Lobby Hooker. <laughs> You know, I like she's a hooker that she, she's a hooker. She stays inside. We're you know, you're out of the elements. That's good. Well, no, she goes to Hollywood. She goes to Hollywood. She goes to to DC and lobbies uh, for for the decriminalization sex of sex workers. Exactly. <laughs> she she's an empowered. Oh my god! No, I like it holds up. Like watching it, the violence is still harsh. You still see the the portrayal of his face. But what gets it is his overall performance. Muted. No, don't watch this movie muted. Put a little volume to it so you can hear it. If you watch along or don't just listen to the podcast. And by the way, Scott, if you're listening in the shower, I want you to touch yourself right now, big boy. Because he just said, well, listen to my friends in the shower. Yeah, wipe that. But at least his wife listens to the podcast. Good job, Bree. Yes, Bree. Yes, Bree. Scott, uh, make sure to use a washcloth. Get all that grundle cheese out of your... Out of your uh, fat folds and <laughs> and take better care of yourself, man. Um, You're collapsing. It's worrisome. Yeah, well, we we may talk about this uh, on the episode that'll come out before this when we do the Cannon Cup. Uh, Scott is is actually moving away. He's going to go to greener pastures uh, into the wild blue yonder of Ohio, of all places, Whoa. where they have um, horse hitches for the straight Amish. roads and flat lands. But uh, he's. You know, Scott, you will always uh, be a part of this podcast and the legacy and the history of it, and uh, you'll be greatly missed. Um, it's not to say that you know we're going to lose contact or anything, because that's just not going to happen. But uh, we, we sincerely love you, and uh, take better care of yourself, because um, I want to attend birthday parties and not funerals. Make Fat it to fuck. 40, you motherfucker. 
Okay, so normally this would be the part of the podcast where I would spin the wheel and we would decide what we're going to be watching on Rants After Dark next month, which will be October. But I'm going to call an audible. Because it's October, I think this is a perfect opportunity to do a movie that I've been wanting to do for quite a while, but haven't really had the opportunity to talk about. And it's a movie from like 1991 you may be familiar with called Ernest Scared Stupid. <laughs> Hell yeah. Lots of, lots of uh, inside baseball about you know surrounding areas and how Jim Varney uh, being a Tennessee boy. So we can bring a lot of uh, in- interesting uh, aspects in that regard. So be sure to check us out. However, I'll go ahead and make the announcement on this episode for those of you that care to listen. Uh, coming October 1st, we, uh, myself and Stank Dick Eddie will be doing a retrospective for the first episode that I ever did with uh, another person on the podcast, and that being Halloween 3 Season of the Witch. Stank Dick Eddie's the Halloween now. He is the, he is the Halloween guy, and, um, I, I've already uh, started on the, the deep dark road into um, you know my notes and everything, and there I'm, better be twenty minutes devoted to Tom Atkins' mustache, or I will come to your house and hit you. There's definitely going to be twenty minutes uh, dedicated to Tom Atkins' facts, which I have quite a few of. You know, I fucking <laughs> love those. Anytime I see anything on any social media that talks about Halloween three, I'll dig up his old. Anytime somebody complains Michael Myers isn't in Halloween three, Tom Atkins fucks that person's mother. Yeah, in the comments. Yeah. I created that meme. If you see that anywhere, that was me. I always put credit. Okay. Well, that's going to wrap us up for this month. We'll be back in October. Really looking forward to that. Uh, for Fat Tony, I'm Brandon A. Lane. Please, please subscribe to the podcast on one of the many platforms we're available on, including iTunes and uh, Apple Podcast, which is the same thing. Um, uh, fucking uh, ah, shit. Twitter? Uh, well, hold on. <laughs> uh, Google Podcasts, uh-huh. on down the line, you know, whatever uh, podcast platform of your choice, more than likely we're on there. Uh, follow us on social media at Rance Black Lodge. For the love of Cthulhu, buy a mug or a t-shirt from our uh, web store at rantarmy.com. And please stop by our homepage at juicykruger.com. For Fat Tony, this is Brandon A. Lane signing off. Till next month, Rant Army, keep marching. <laughs>